This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Life Made Better. We've got quite the adventurer guest with us today, Frederick Strang. Frederick met what feels like a moon, many moons ago now, uh, working together on the release of an amazing documentary. And Frederick's energy was just infectious. And when I said that he's an adventurer, I was not fibbing. He has climbed seven of the world's 8,000 meter peaks, 18 8,000 meter expeditions, including Mount Everest and K2, which you cannot see because this is audio, but he's got on his screensaver background behind him. He is a member of the Express Club, the Travelers Club and Swedish Polar Club. He's also a published author, motivational speaker, certified ACMC Meta Coach, ICF Sport Coach, and also distributes and produces jaw-dropping and awe-inspiring documentaries. I think our first question should be, is there anything left to do for you, Frederick? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is all, there's always something you can excel at. I mean, uh, a funny thing that you mentioned. So, so this guy comes up to me and he says, let's compete in the Swedish championships in, in dogs. It's like they do tricks and stuff. And I have no dogs and I don't know anything about dogs. If you want to be good at something, you better, you have to put the best foot forward. It's a long time. And I decided quite a long time ago that there's really only two things that I want to be good at. And that's skiing and climbing. Everything else is just, I can just only be mediocre at. And I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. But if I can feel in my lifetime that I can somehow master one or two things that is amazing feeling that makes me kick up the, from the bed in the morning and want to jump on and you know grab and seize the day uh, that is what really inspires me to be a little bit great at something and i can't be great at anything i love that i love that seize the day follow something that you can master I was having that conversation with someone yesterday, actually. She said, I don't really know what I, I like doing. I said, well, get curious about something and do it lots. And when you start mastering it, I think you'll enjoy it more. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's always something that as, along the pro, process, there's always things that unfolds. And you understand that, oh, there's more to this sport or more to this skill. And as the days go on and you train and put in the hours, you understand that there is a plethora of different varieties and ingredients that you need to work on, like making a nice dinner, or if even if it's about uh, simple tasks, uh, it could be just as I do. It's very simple, going from A to B, up and down. And, and it, uh, in that sport, in that area, there's so much about the equipment that you use, how the body reacts to the different hazards and environments, your physical fitness and your mental fortitude and how to, how to mend that and trying to become a better person mentally. So there's so many aspects that you can develop and so many things that you can work on. It's not only running uphill like a maniac. So climbing is, I think, when you break it down, there's so many elements to it which makes it so much more interesting. It's not only about making it to the top. 
Mm, I love that. And I think, you know, would you and I were just having a quick chat before we started recording. And I think you said something quite interesting. It was like, I wonder if we were to live a thousand years, if people would either become a master or, you know, develop the skill or kind of like become lazy and leave it to the very last minute. And I think that is kind of a parallel of what you were saying in the climate, right? It's like, okay, people think it's up and down, but then it's all those nuances in between and things that you can improve and little bits that you can do is a bit of like you know in life I just I I just see that metaphor of you know climbing that high mountain of actually just getting through life and is that how many bits how many little things can you do along the way that are going to help you get to that you know to the top I agree and, and that's look at climbing for instance when you're thinking about what can I improve to become a little bit better than yesterday. And for me, it's the simple things. If you add all the small, small things together, that makes a difference in the end. For instance, the wash clothes. If you look at your garments and your clothing, you have all these um, washcloths that describes how many degrees the water should be, if it should be how it should be washed, etc. If you cut them out, you'll save probably something like 10 or 15 grams in total on all the garments that I have on an expedition. If I leave them, that will mean that I will be carrying 15 grams extra, carrying it up and down. And for me, thinking about I'm carrying 15 grams extra on the mountain, which is unnecessary, I could have get rid of it, but I didn't. But if I do get rid of it, I add this extra bonus to my mental stability that I am one step closer to achieving and attaining my goals. So what I say is that if you can do something about it, do it. If you can't do something about it, accept it. And this acceptance, I think, is another aspect of the, the success stories when it comes to mountains. Sometimes the weather is not favorable and there's not really anything you can do about it. But the problem I see is that when it comes to mountaineers and people who go to the mountains, there are so many people who complain about the things that they cannot change or improve and the things that they can alter and improve, they are in no control of, which makes this conundrum. It makes this very controversial. And I think it's, 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 to a certain degree, also ludicrous. You're spending amount of time and energy on things that you cannot control instead of putting that energy on what you can do and improve. Yeah, I love that. But when I'm listening to you, that has to come from awareness. If you're not aware that you have the, you're thinking in that way, then you can't accept it and change it. Yeah, I think most people spend most of the time thinking about what went wrong. But when they succeed, they don't give it time enough to decipher and trying to distinguish what and find out what actually made me succeed this time. So instead of like penetrating that and, and looking at it from outside inside, what made me achieve this goal this time? They spend all the times, you know, ranting and ruminating about oh, I suck, I didn't achieve this, uh, I probably should not continue, I should probably give up, I never will be a master of, of, of something. 
And I think that's wrong harnessing the energy in the wrong way. Because if you ask these powerful questions about what this time made me win or what this time made me achieve my goals, you can find clues. And these clues help you, I think, along the way to do and repeat success stories in the future. Mm. Where did you get this strong mindset from, Frederick? Is this... Uh... Have you had some good mentors? Is this family, parents? I think it's Just... a combination of things. It's the milieu of, uh, of uh, um, influences from my childhood. I was bullied as a child and I was quite lonely. And I had to, you know, instead of seeing myself as the, as the victim and being powerless, I sort of um, became my, be- my, my best friend. I think many people at least who I have been encountered throughout the years, are not very good at living with themselves. And I had to become a very good partner with myself, understanding my weaknesses and understanding my shortcomings. And, and, and in that sense, uh, I accepted my weaknesses and, and started improving that step by step. So I was very methodical and I was very scientific in my approach as a, ch- as a child. I studied a lot about you know, astronomy and so So I knew that being methodical and thinking one step at a time, eventually I will get where I want. Instead of saying, I have to be master today. I have, if I can't reach my goal tomorrow, I'm fed up with it and I will just uh, let it go. Instead, I had this long-term, I set these long-term goals. Within 10 years, I'm gonna climb Everest. Within 15 years, I'm gonna do this. And I put in the hours. And I think it's only about putting in the hours and eventually you will get there. And for my, I can only speak for myself, it wasn't, didn't turn out the way I thought it would. It uh, was, uh, at some times it was even better than I thought of in the beginning, which is funny. Life works in mysterious ways. Mm, I'm loving hearing A, the sort of, curiosity but also how you were able to turn a negative and something that quite frankly will bring people down into okay I'm having this externally I'm going to look inwards and I'm going to start loving this person that I am and I'm going to get to know me and I'm going to be my best friend how brave that is especially at the age you know being a child I think you know, that's something miraculous, if you ask me. Not many not many kids will have the strength and the resilience to think that way and to say, okay, some others might not see what I'm seeing, but I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I looked up at, you know, big adventures and uh, I read books early age and I was completely infatuated with maps and uh, Mr. Tales and Adventures. I was completely fanatic about Indian Jones and so on. And, and I tried to mimic the behaviors, the aptitudes, and the qualities of the people that I looked up to. And become sort of a, a game, a funny game, uh, uh, a passionate, very passionate game where I could benchmark myself to uh, people that I looked up to. And I said to myself, if these people all the time who have made these great achievements and great feats, if they keep repeating the word, I'm just an ordinary person, anyone can do this. 
If they say that, and they, and I actually believe that, there is no reason why me, little Frederick, who was skinny and, and not so muscle muscleless at the time, if I put in the hours, there's no reason why I cannot at least be a fraction of what they are, uh, as long as I'm devoted and passionate about what I'm doing. But if I'm impatient, and if I am a little bit flamboyant and, and just go with the wind without direction, I think that I, I'm, I'm probably going to miss the train. But I, I never said no to opportunity. Whenever someone challenged me to do something or, or asked, Frederick, do you want to jump on this adventure? Do you want to come with me? I saw it as an invite from mentors, from people that I looked up to. And I said, yes. I mean, there was not a second thought. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I could summarize it with summarize the, the thought process like, let me think about it. Yes, that's how fast <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, uh, so if someone says, Frederick, do you want to tag along to Antarctica and sail in Antarctica? Let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and I mean, these, these opportunities, they don't grow on trees. They don't come very often. Become a yes man, I would say. It's very important. Oh, I love I love that adventurous spirit and how you um, followed that and you didn't let people that bullied you as a child get in your way and you changed it from being a victim to a victor. I mean, it really touched my heart because one of my children gets really badly bullied and she's finding it really hard at the moment and she says, I'm lonely. And she has so much about her as well, that, that spirit. So you gave me hope that, you know, we can turn any difficulty into yeah i think so i mean also it's it's uh, i think the results is a reflection of your inside world your interior you can't change the world but you can change the way you look at it and how you perceive it and i think that we talked about before we uh, recorded this podcast i mentioned something about the steepness uh, in the mountains and and there's a lot of people who complain about oh it's too cold it's too warm it's too steep it's it's too wet. Well, you know, it is what it is. You just have to accept that and then lay that behind. And then you can think about what can I change? Well, I can change my outlook on life. I can change my attitude towards the steepness. And uh, ironically, the steeper it gets, the more interesting it gets for a climber. So bring it on, more steepness, more uh, headwind. <laughs> I, can, I can hear that resilience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can totally hear, but I do wonder, because obviously you faced many challenges as we are here, both obviously in life, but also as a climber where you're getting up all those, you know, the steepness. Have you thought at any point, you know, I cannot explore this new path. There's no way I'm going to make it or I simply cannot carry on. And if so, how did you overcome it? Well, there's always doubt. And I think that it's, that's a very sound quality to possess. If, because if there was no doubt inside of you, you probably would put yourself into awkward and perhaps dangerous situations. I think that we have a second brain, which is somewhere around the solar plexus. And sometimes that nerves speaks to you. And not always is it easy to interpret these uh, messages. But I think it's very crucial for your longevity to listen to your second thoughts. And there's many 
of those occasions that I've encountered in my life. For instance, when I was on Everest in 2005, I turned around at 8,610 meters, 240 meters left to the summit. And I had this gut feeling that if I continue now, that would be the, that would be the last thing I do. I don't have the power or the, uh, the quality right now to continue. As, as a matter of fact, I had an infection in my body and my oxygen did not work. So it was, it was, you know, it was prone to fail. And, but the thing is that what the brain does is that when you've been working 10 years to fulfill a dream, you are so invested in this emotional goal and it becomes a part of you that if you do not continue, it will be like almost losing a child of yours because it's, uh, you have seen yourself succeed yourself. Uh, at this cradle uh, uh, of success. And, and, but instead, now you abandon this goal and you turn around. And that can be one of the hardest decisions you ever done. If I encounter, and if I end up in a situation where it's the, the tent blows apart, I break a leg, oxygen does not work, I get an infection, etc. I have a backup plan in how to handle that. And then I just execute. I execute a coordinated plan. But if I am dependent on creativity, on, on being intellectual and, 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 and cognition in such a precarious situation, I probably won't make any sound judgments and sound calls. And I will probably be a victim for, for, for the mountain and I probably won't come home. So for me, making these decisions has never been difficult. I have prepared myself in my comfortable home or in a comfortable, safe area before and programmed myself, how, what do I do when this happens? And therefore, there's no conflict when this happens. With ease, I can just say, this far and not further, and I turn back. The problem, however, is that when you come down, you come down to a safe spot and you have your tea, you have your supper, the blame game starts. You start to blame yourself. If I could have pushed myself a little bit further, what would have happened, etc. And that is the difficult thing. Then you have to be resilient to resist the temptation of being and hijacking yourself. I, I love the fact that you said about thinking when you're in your safe space, when you're not in your emotional, low biology you know, low energy, you know that you can make better decisions. So planning forward, that's really important when you hit a point where every part of you wants to keep going so that you don't fail, but your logical brain knows and, and your spirit knows deep down that it will be an absolute disaster to keep going. So to make those decisions beforehand when you're in a, in a better space, how important that is. And, and I think for our listeners, if they can relate that to their life, how important it is to make huge decisions when they're feeling at their best self, not when they're more at their low, impulsive kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you can't emphasize that enough. I think it's very important that it's like, buying stocks at the stock market. When people fear, you should be greedy. But when people are greedy, you should fear. 
uh, I think you understand that metaphor. It's the same thing when you are in the mountains. Uh, it's, oh, everything is so great. There's nothing that can go wrong. Then you should be suspicious. Hold on, wait a little bit. There's the day in a million, but only because it's a day in a million doesn't mean it can't go wrong. And that's typical uh, effect of what happened in 2008 when I was on K2, second highest mountain in the world. It was this perfect day. It was blue sky. It was warm. There was no wind. And only because of that, people start stopped questioning themselves what could go wrong. And there was a lot of... Uh, mistakes done that day and unfortunately and tragically it's horrendous 11 people lost their lives and that's something that haunted me for to, to today uh questioning what could i have done differently could i have helped them more than i did etc so so i think that it's always important to think and one step ahead if i do this what implica what implication will it have on me and also my 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 comrades and 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 my people the people around me what well, what kind of how will that affect my surrounding mm, what that is reminded me is you know people tend to think about the future but the future is what you create now people forget that you are creating your future now and you can't expect your future to be bright and successful if all that you're doing today is hijacking your own success. So I think in a way that reminded me to the scenario that you're saying is like, yes, the day is, you know, clear blue skies, no wind, everything is looking great, but still I need to be mindful of every step I'm taking because that's going to allow me to either reach the summit or to, you know, tragically not. And I think that's a, a kind of a, a beautiful metaphor of the input and the effort and the steps that we take today and how that's going to impact and shape our future. And that's the bit we tend to forget. What do you think has been your um, best resources, Frederick, that's helped you along the way? Well, um, I've always have a physical strength that I've been relying on and I've been more prepared always than what is expected from me physically and mentally. And having the upper hand and having this excess of uh, strength, fitness and uh, endurance has been paramount for keeping me safe, for keeping me alive, but also enjoying the vista and enjoying the panorama and the beauty and the nature. Because it's like people jogging, I think, that if you are running or jogging on your limits, you hardly lift your cheeks and look around and enjoy the nature and what's surrounding you. You're always looking down at your feet and thinking, when will this suffering end? And uh, instead, being at your height and being very trained and fit, you can actually lavish and relish in this beauty that is revealed in the mountains. You can lift your cheeks sometimes and despite how tired you are, you always have a little extra energy to actually enjoy where you are. You're fortunate enough to be alive to experience these life in a, in a lifetime experiences. And I think that is one resource that I've always relied on, my physical um, advantage. Mm. I also love you said that you look around at the awe and wonder because, you know, science has now proven that that improves our resilience. 
Yeah, it does. And I mean, always use the metaphor that when I climb mountains to keep on going, there might be 100 reasons to turn around, but only one reason to continue. And this one reason often is for free. And that is the simple as lifting your cheeks and just enjoying the marvel of this world, the beauty, the landscape. And I think that too many are dependent on things that you need to buy or that you need to earn or so. And that makes it harder to attain and and eventually enjoy. So instead of looking and trying to find these expensive ways to enjoy life, look at the simple things, make this every every day for a week and try to see on the left side, which things works in life and the right side of the paper, which things doesn't work. And you will soon find out, I think that the left side overrules the right side many times over because there's so much things that works. We have eyesight, most of us, we can smell, we can hear, we can, we can taste, we have more limbs, we can walk, the, the power is on, we have tap water, comfy bed, etc. There's so many things that works. So when you, if you compare that to the things that don't work during a day, you, I think you will be a bit ashamed if you start complaining. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the gratefulness. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say in there is one of the key pillars and determining factors of happiness and is the fact that people think that happiness is all about the material things and getting more and I'll be happy when I get the perfect body and I'll be happy when I find my partner. But the truth is, and there's several research backing this up, that happiness comes from those little moments, from the messy bits. It comes from being able to savor that beautiful moment that you're just going through or that clear blue sky of being you know, kind to yourself, being compassionate is about the connection. And I think we are misled by culture, by media and, you know, think buy more, get more, do more, be more. And the reality is that you need nothing but is like sipping your cup of coffee in front of a clear blue sky can probably make you as happy, if not more than anything else. There's a couple of books that I recommend uh, people to read. And I think you probably covered them in the past, but one book that saved my life when I was in Kyrgyzstan, I was terribly sick. I was puking and shitting at the same time. I got an infectious bacteria and I lost something like 15 kilos just in a couple of weeks. It was horrendous. This is the book of Dalai Lama happiness. I started reading it and I was laying at uh, a hospital, if you even can call it a hospital, it, it, was, it felt like a concentration uh, camp. I, I, I was actually locked in as well. It's a long story. I won't take it now. Uh, and no one spoke English. I couldn't speak that language. And it, it was rats running around on the floor and the bed was broken and stuff. And uh, there was in the bathroom, there was feces and shit everywhere. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was actually quite disconcerting. Uh, disc, uh, but but it, nevertheless, what I found myself was that the simplest of nature, the simplest of thing, the little candle that I can lit now, if I protect that little light it, uh, and, and I harness it, it becomes my lifesaver uh, and it becomes the light in the storm. And, and that for me actually saved my life. Another book that I also recommend is Eckers Tolle, Power of Now. 
And that one actually helped me through when I had, ex when I was experiencing post-traumatic stress syndrome after 2008, uh, I could wake up in the middle of the night, sweating, uh, almost uh, fainting. I crawled to the toilet and vomited. And uh, I was think I had this close to death experiences, which was ironic because I was not on a mountain. I was not on a intimidating and also shocking mountain who had all these objective hazards but i was in my peaceful and very safe home and still i thought that i was going to die so i started reading the book i i did take some consultations through a cognitive behavioral therapists and instead of avoiding hell i was walking through it and i was committed to walk through it so when, as Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep walking. Uh, you can't stop. And that's what I did. I confronted my fears. I confronted uh, all these um, remorse and regrets and, and also guilt that I felt. Uh, I think that's a natural thing, occurrence, when you've been through hell and seeing people die, is that you start to blame yourself. And uh, those books did surely help me and had a complete, it was a game changer for me, how I, the outlook I had on life. Well, thank you for sharing that. I can't imagine how hard it is. And I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle as well. And I think, you know, if we can just bring ourselves back to the moment and stop, it's the time traveling, isn't it? Going back and going, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have done that. It, it can just torture our, our soul. So the fact that those books helped you, I think could be really helpful to our listeners. So thank you for sharing such sounds. Horrific. You've had a couple of horrific times to be able to achieve what you wanted to achieve. And I think that is also something for our listeners to hear that, of course, there's always going to be the ups and the downs. And when we go for something quite incredible, we also have you know, the, the ability to have huge challenges so thank you for sharing that. So what is the one question you wish we had asked you that we haven't, Frederick? Well, uh, there's many things, but I think also what happens in the future. Uh, and I think that now I come probably half, half time in my life. There's still like 50% left of the life. I think that you shouldn't count the days, but you should count what you fill your life with. I think that's very important. And I think that uh, many people, they questions, uh, they, the first questions that arises is the question, why I do this? And we haven't touched on that. And I think that you could probably spend a lifetime going around wondering why you do things. And, and you will never come up with perhaps an absolute answer and uh, an answer that you feel content with. So uh, I do think the reason why I do this is because I don't want that be 85 or 90 years old regretting that I did not do my best. And I think that life is a one-way ticket and uh, it's important to fill it with joy and things that makes me happy. But being happy all the time does not mean that you avoid to every extent being unhappy or pushing yourself or end up in a place where you probably have to risk things. I think without feeling down, 
without feeling that you are at the bottom, I don't think there can be a summit. I don't think there can be happiness. You have to allow yourself to be down at times, to experience that you feel left or lost, or also feeling perhaps this discontent and disconcerned, etc. And I think that's part of it. Life is a roller coaster. And, and I think that when you reach the bottoms, that actually motivates you even further to push beyond what you think you're capable of. Uh, so for me, don't chase the highs all the time. Be when you're in lows, accept that. That's part of that's part of life. It, it is what it is, and nothing else. You label it, and it's up to you what you label it with. I, yeah, I think that's really important, isn't it? That if we have those lows and those feelings, they are good teachers. If you're discontented and you're not feeling inspired, you know, that's a time to start another adventure, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are beautiful words to leave our audience with. Thank you very much, Frederick. It's been an absolute pleasure to to have you with us. Thank you so much for being so open, so vulnerable and, and sharing so much with us. I'm sure this will be one that people will will definitely take a lot of learnings and inspiration from. So thank you. Thank you for the trust and good luck with your show. Thank, thank you. you Fred. <laughs> thank you. And to all of you listening to us, thank you very much for joining us one more week. Thank you for your love and support. Please continue to leave a review, to rate the show, to share the episodes with anybody you think might benefit from listening to them. And don't forget, we'll be back with you next week. And until then, we wish you lots of love, lots of happiness. Look after yourselves and we should see you next week. Have a great one and happy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>